If we're going to live in faith, we must also walk in faith. And I would like to say this about faith. Pastor Kenny, could you bring up 1 Corinthians 13? 1 Corinthians 13, verses 1 through 3. Just read that. I want to show you something that's vital. Have you got it, Pastor Kenny? Stand up and read it. Verses 1 through 3 of 1 Corinthians 13. Though I speak with the tongues of men and angels. Though I can speak with the power of the angels. And I have not charity or and I, love. Or love, which is love. Go ahead. I am become a sounding brass or a tinkling cymbal. Just noise. Go ahead. And though I have the gift of prophecy and understand all mystery and all knowledge. And though I have all faith so that I could remove my... Whoa, stop there. Just because you have what? All faith and can remove mountains, what? And have not love, I am nothing. Thank you, Pastor. Do you understand that everything that I'm talking about and have, and I ended it last week, if you cannot exhibit love, I don't care how much faith you've got. I don't care how powerful you preach. I don't care about your testimony. I don't care about your witness, Pat. I don't care if you don't have love. Have you ever met, met mean Christians? And we wonder why the world is, we're turning them off. We keep turning people off. It's because we cannot walk or live or abide in love. And you say, if you've got faith, well, I've got a lot of faith. But if you can't exhibit love, that faith is meaningless. I'm just jumping right in this thing with both feet today. Because I'm going to tell you that's what makes the, the, the world of God go around is faith and love. Can you say love makes it turn around? And this morning this phrase came to me early this morning as I was walking through my house about belief. If what you believe has not changed you for the better, then you need to change your belief. That's what the Lord spoke in my spirit. If what you believe has not changed you for the better. I don't care how many books you've read. I don't care how many <coughs> degrees, theological degrees you have on the wall. If what you believe has not changed you for the better, then you need to change what you believe. And that's what the Lord said to me. How many of you have wondered in your life, why is things going wrong all the time? Let me tell you something. If you are surrounded in the Spirit, you may go through tough times, rough times, debilitating times, but through it all, you'll remain joyous and you'll remain in happiness. So let me say that again so you can write it down. If, you, if what you believe has not changed you for the better, then you need to change your belief. So we read last week Romans ten seventeen, which is a verse you're going to have to keep up with over and over and over with me. So then faith comes by hearing, and then it's very important what you hear, <clears throat> hearing by the Word of God. Faith is to a Christian as a tank of oxygen is to a diver. He said, you understand when you get into deep water, you can't come to the surface. You've got to have, Cheryl, you have to have air. You have to have oxygen. And he said, that's what faith is like to a, to a man or a woman of God or a Christian, is you have to have faith when you get into deep water. When you're over your head, how many of you have been in situations got over your head? I mean, you knew you were in trouble. And all you could say was, Jesus, Jesus. So faith to me, 
I can't, it's, it's the very beat of my heart because it's what makes uh, the relationship with God so rich, so pure. Love and faith working together. But I'm dealing now with something we must have if we're going to make it in the next, well, I'd say in the next decade. We're going to need faith. Don't lose faith just because the gas prices are going up. Don't lose hope. Don't say the economy's doing this and the economy's doing that. It's always going to be that way. But I promise you it's going to come back. Why? Because God's going to look out for his children. Faith is something, though, that as I ended up last week, we need to talk about being developed. You have to develop it. I can't do it for you. I can't talk you into it. I can't walk you into it. I can give you some instruction, but it's something that you must develop. Faith is something you have to exercise just like you do your body. You have to exercise your faith. I, I mean, I've gotten to a place in my life when I pray for somebody, it shocks me if it, doesn't, if it isn't answered instantaneously. So when Collis wrote me and told me his good news, my goodness, that's miracles to me, just miracles. But my faith is at a level when I say, in the name of Jesus, it shall come to pass. I just believe it's going to happen. I don't question it. All of us must develop our faith, every one of us, no matter who you are, in the Lord. We have to develop it in the Lord. And we recognize this and understand. And you have to understand this. We're all on different levels of faith. This may, I hope this doesn't throw you for a loop, but there's different people with different levels of faith. What has happened? How did they do that? They exercised and, and started moving in God at different levels, different dimensions. Now, I don't know about you, but I want all I can get from God. So when we start to understand that, we see that other people around us may have a different level of faith, but we all have faith. And that's why it's so important for us all to come together as a church. Because we add faith to faith, prayer to prayer, hope to hope. So we want to teach all this and we want to talk about faith in love. Because without love, we can have all the faith to move mountains. It means nothing. It's meaningless. We must take that faith we learn and start to apply it in our life. So that the statement I just made, if it's not changing you for the better, then you need to change what you believe. If my belief system is not working, there's something wrong. Because, Kenny, God doesn't fail. And sometimes we think what we believe, it, it surpasses what God has said. Can I say that again? Sometimes we think that what we believe surpasses what God has said, and I'm going to tell you that's wrong. Whatever he has said, no matter if I like it or not, it's still a fact. But what we do, we take truths like this in the Word of God, and we start taking that truth and making it the truth. But you hear people say in certain ministry areas, they'll talk about confession. How many people have ever heard confess? About confessions, whatever you confess. And they started teaching, if you start to confess things, there's a lot of truth in this when you start to confess, but it's not the total, complete truth. They leave out a lot of the process. And this is what gets them into trouble, Floyd. They only follow a portion of the process. 
And then when it goes wrong because they've confessed, they'll say, someone said, I confess I have a new job. I'm confessed God's going to send me to a new area of ministry or new work. That is meaningless unless you follow the process. But they'll teach you that they'll say that whatever you confess with your mouth and whatever you want, it's going to happen. How many people know I just told the truth? But that's what they tell you. Some people teach that. But when it doesn't happen, then what do they say? It doesn't work. The truth is it does work. You just got to know how to apply it properly. Proper application. Has anybody ever, ever painted a house or painted a car? There's certain applications you have to go through to make it look good. Certain processes. But we don't do that. In faith, we just, we just throw everything to the wind and we decide, well, whatever, whatever this is is what it is. And I'll confess it with my mouth and it happens. It's not that way. What you confess, I'll give you your free part. What you start confessing, Floyd, is something you know. You confess the word of God in your life. That's what you confess. If he said, I can live and not die, then I'm going to live and not die. I confess it. If he says, I will be healed, then I confess that healing. But with that, never mistake that you're not going to have some difficulties getting there. That's where we get in trouble. It'll never happen to me, but it could happen to you. There is something much more to it than just saying something and getting it. I just spoke it and I'm going to get it. That doesn't mean anything unless you've gone through the process. There is something important. It's vital when you understand that God requires you to walk in faith. It's vital for us to understand that. But it's hard to walk in something you have no knowledge of. Let me say it again, mark it down. It is a process. Faith is a process. And before anyone will get the manifestation, unless God does something miraculous, it's going to take the process. What it comes down to, each and every one of us must learn how to examine ourselves. How do we look at ourselves? You know, it's easy to look at somebody else's faults and their, their shortcomings, and, but when it comes to us, we don't see that. We always look at somebody else and say, well, you know, if Natalie had done this and Natalie had done that, Cheryl had done this, Cheryl. They, but they don't look at themselves. It's important to look at who you are in God. We need to examine ourselves and determine in all this, what level of faith are we operating in? What is our level of faith? Because that's important. So you see, just to confess something without application and understanding the other part of the process as taught in the Word of God is like someone trying to build the upper floors of a house before they build the foundation. You have to have the foundation before you can build the superstructure. Some of you that build understand that's just, that's elementary. So there are people who hold a truth and they want to start operating in a faith level like some of the faith greats have. I can name them, but many of y'all would not know. But you're like your Oral Roberts and your Kenneth Copeland's and your, and your uh, Brother Hagen. Everybody wants to hear about faith and they want to start operating like they operated. But how many people know that it took them years to get to that level, to that place of understanding? You know what's worth money, a lot of money? Jimmy, if you got this company working and all of a sudden 
you don't know which way to turn. You're not quite sure what you're going to do next. Sometimes you pay somebody to come in to help you with making. And that's worth a lot of money. Because, you see, that's what we need in our lives is, is the right thing said at the right time. Knowing that God is directing us and guiding us and leading us. And that's worth more than, it's precious. Wisdom, we throw wisdom away, but it's so important. Where does faith start? It's rooted in wisdom. I hope I'm making a little sense today. Problem is, when we do these things and we don't realize what God is doing, we get ourselves out on a limb and everybody's looking at us on our limb and wondering, is this thing about God real? Is God really, can God really help us? I want to make this as plain as possible because I want you to be successful. Life is difficult. Some of the things you're going to go through, it's not fair. How many people have gone through some things that you felt like was not fair? Well, get ready. You're going to go through some more. What faith does, faith says it can be done when everybody else says it'll never happen. But in order for you to be confident in that, you have had to live and abide and dwell in that level of faith. This is very difficult to get into people's minds. This thing called faith. Because we have to live in it. We have to walk in it. It's not just, most people want to talk faith, but very few people can live faith. And I think the key to this whole message is what God said to me earlier this morning. If what you believe is not taking you to a better place, then you need to change what you believe. You need to change it. Romans 1, 15 through 17. So as much as is in me, I am ready to preach the gospel to you that are in Rome also. For I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believes, to the Jew first and to also the Greek. For therein is the righteousness of God revealed from faith to faith. As it is written, the just shall live by faith. Here we go. How does faith work then? Because this is our objective. As Christians, we need it as a diver needs air. So we'll go through this subject very carefully. There's several aspects of the gospel that we're going to have to touch on because one of those aspects is salvation. I want you to see how broad a concept salvation really is. How many things it actually touches. How many things it embraces. I want you to notice what the Apostle Paul says in Romans 1.16. I'm not ashamed of the gospel. We should never be ashamed of the gospel. Gospel simply means the good news. I'll never be ashamed of the good news. So when we look at faith as a law, you need to mark this statement down. The law of faith is a major part of the gospel. The law of faith, it is a law. Just like if you go out here and run the stop sign and the officer stops you, you broke a law. There's laws in faith. When we understand the law of faith, it's a major part, it's, gospel is a major part of the good news. You cannot receive salvation without confession and faith. You have to have those two things. You hear people say all the time, I've heard messages about faith all my life. And I've heard people say, many of them, I've heard all I want to hear. You say, well, I've heard all I want to hear about faith. Well, then you need to quit reading the Bible. Because the Bible is filled with just faith. If you're going to teach the word, you have to teach faith. If this is the last group of messages I ever preach, 
it, I want it to be said he preached on faith. He talked about faith, the walk of faith, the talk of faith, the action of faith, the laws of faith. How many people know, as I said last week, attitude is important. When someone says, I don't want to hear about that subject anymore, it's usually because you had the improper attitude delivering it. Bishop, I really wish you'd preach and make me happy. I can't. Not today. Something is restraining me. Because the Lord is showing me more and more we want to hoop and holler. But until we learn about this thing called faith and really understand it, our hoop and holler don't do nothing. If we're going to go further in faith, we've got to know about faith. We have to understand it. And when we say we love you, Father, it's something more than that word. That means I share in what you share in. So we must reach people, but if we're going to reach people with the message of faith and hope, it has to be done with a certain attitude. How many people have heard heard angry preachers before? Do you really want to hear an angry preacher? I'm not angry. I'm happy. I'm probably as happy as I've ever been in my life right now. He says, oh, that means everything's going great for you. I didn't say that. Did I say that? No, I mean, look, churches are falling apart all over the place. People are hurting financially. And I'm sitting there saying, thank you, Jesus. Why would you say thank you, Jesus? Because this gives God a great opportunity to prove who he is. Amen. How many of y'all have had your share of problems? You ought to start thanking God for those. Because each one of them is a learning, a learning gives you a learning curve. <coughs> you start learning. And faith starts to arise in your life. So when Paul says, I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, it's the power of God. That's why he says that. It's the power of God unto salvation. It's the power of God. The good news is the power of God, Floyd. And when we get that into our hearts and our minds, things will start to change. Paul is right here telling us a secret. He's telling us where the power of God is. The power of God is in the Word of God. <clears throat> so I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God. Paul is telling you where it is. Can I ask this question? How many of you really believe that that's true? Do you believe that the power of God is the Word of God? How many people believe the Word of God is God's will? You believe then that the Word of God is God's will, whether it being spoken or, or canonized the Bible or it's being spoken. I want to back this up, what I'm talking about, the, uh, God's power is in the Word of God. Hebrews 1, thing, 1, 3, and a portion of Hebrews 1, 3 says that all things are upheld by the word of his power. Everything is upheld by the word of his power. You wonder why the word is so important? You wonder why coming into the house of the Lord and hearing the word is so important? Because it might change your whole life. Has anybody had a miracle in the last few weeks? What does faith do for you? It's when hell comes after you and the devil's laughing at you and say, No problem. It's what faith does for you. You know what faith does for you, brother? Helps you open your eyes clearly. You can see things clearly. So when we talk about the good news, we talk about soundness. 
completeness, prosperity. We talk about all these different aspects. It's so important to realize how powerful the gospel of Jesus Christ is. Here's a side note. Anybody that takes the word of God and beats people over the head with it, in my opinion, is absolutely wrong. When somebody calls you up that's not a part of, 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 that's not a part of the ministry here, it's not a pastor of this church and calls you up and says, I, I think you're doing wrong, and they start beating you over the head with, with the, the word, you need to question that. Is that God or is that man? Christian, you had an instance like that. People try to step into areas of authority they have no right to step. He had a situation like that, and he called me up. You know what I said? Don't listen to him. Because most people that are beating you over the head don't even know the word. So I've had people say that before. But my job and your job, say my job. Our job is not to put people down. It's to build them up. How do you build them up? Through the understanding of the word of God. Remember what the scripture says in Proverbs is the sweetness of the lips. Sweetness of the lips that increases learning. How many people believe that Apostle Paul was a powerful man? To show you how people misconstrue things in faith. And I've heard them do this. <clears throat> 2 Corinthians 12, 6 and 7. I'll stop with this. For though I would desire to glory, I shall not be a fool. For I will say the truth. But now I forbear, lest any man should think of me above that which he seeth me to be, or that he hears, heareth of me. And lest I should be exalted above measure through the abundance of the revelations. There was given to me a thorn in the flesh, the messenger of Satan to buffet me, lest I should be exalted above measure. We need to really hear that because people twist that. And they say, well, Paul was asking God to deliver him from this thorn in the flesh. And we always equate that with something physical. But it never said it was a physical ailment. All God said was, Paul, we think he's asking for healing. I believe God was trying to get his attention in a certain area. And here it is. We'll pick this up next week right here. You ready for this? I believe what he was saying is what he's trying to say to me many times. Paul, you've got, I've come to you, God, three times. God said, you're not hearing me, Paul. This is really, he's teaching something here. Paul, are you listening to me? But God, I've got this thorn in the flesh, which we don't know what it was. It could have been, I don't even want to mention it. It could have been anything. But God, I want you to take it away from me. God doesn't answer him. He says one thing. Paul, my grace is sufficient for you. And we miss it. We just miss it. He's saying, Paul, what I'm trying to tell you and you learn is it my enabling power that will see you through it all. The grace. It's my enabling power. And we miss that part of the verse. We always see is Paul struggling with a thorn in the flesh. We don't see that God's saying, my grace, my enabling power is what's going to get you through this. If I didn't preach anything else today, you need to hear that. He told Paul, Paul, you're missing my point. You want me to get a thorn of your flesh out, and he's trying to tell you, I've given you power. You do it. Man, we need to preach this next week, get into that. 
He's telling Paul, you do it. I've done all I'm going to do for you, Paul. Now it's up to you. My grace is sufficient. 